Last Sunday, Reverend um, Bruce Taylor invited us to think about our next faithful steps, not just as a church together, um, but as individual people of faith. Um, And he did that as we listened to the story of Moses um, alongside the story of Parkway Hills. He reminded us that not only within the life of Parkway Hills, um, but especially within the story of Moses, it wasn't just one moment, um, one step that made the difference, but this continual step, this continual journey within the life of Moses and the people of God. So over the next few Sundays, as we think about this theme, the next fateful step, we'll look at stories of other people in scripture, listen for the next fateful step that they were invited to take and continue to reflect on ours. And today we're going to look at the story of Esther. And as you notice, it just says um, from Esther because I couldn't figure out what to read. Uh, So we're just going to be jumping around. Uh, throughout the sermon as we look at the story of Esther. But as you prepare to hear God's word this day, let us pray. Eternal God, in the reading of the scripture, may your word be heard. In the meditations of our hearts, may your word be known. And in the faithfulness of our lives, may your word be shown. Amen. So a little bit about the book of Esther. Now, Esther is one of the 12 historical books in the Hebrew Bible. In these 12 books, we are given a picture, a story of God and God's people that cover around eight centuries. And Esther is unique in this collection of historical books in that Esther takes place as the Israelites live in a land not their own. The story of Esther takes place in Persia. It names the struggle for the Jewish people as they live as exiles in another land. What does it mean for them to live in this new place, in a country that is not their home? How do they maintain their identity as God's people? What does it mean to be Jewish in this place? And in the story of Esther, we meet two people, Esther and her cousin and guardian, Mordecai. This book, you may know, establishes the Jewish festival of Purim, a holiday that is still observed today. It is basically a big party. If you ever go to one of these festivals, they read through the story, um, and there are um, gestures and sounds and things they make as different characters come out, but it is big fun. Um, Purim celebrates the escape of the Israelites from complete destruction. So yes, a reason to party. And they escape this destruction because of the faithful steps of Mordecai and Esther. So this is how the story begins. This happened in the days of Ahasuerus, the same Ahasuerus who ruled over 127 provinces from India to Ethiopia. In those days, in the third year of his reign, he gave a banquet for all his officials and ministers. The army of Persia and Media and the nobles and governors of the provinces were present while he displayed the great wealth of his kingdom and the splendor and pomp of his majesty for many days, 180 days in all. So as the story begins, we learn that King Ahasuerus is a big deal, a not-to-be-messed-with big deal, and the Israelites are living under his rule in his land. 
we meet the the duo, Mordecai and Esther, in chapter 2. The first time we meet someone with Jewish identity in the story. And this is what it says. Now there was a Jew in the citadel of Susa whose name was Mordecai, son of Jair, son of Shimei, son of Kish, a Benjaminite. Kish had been carried away from Jerusalem among the captives carried away with King Jeconah of Judah, whom King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon had carried away. Mordecai brought up Esther, his cousin, for she had neither father nor mother. The girl was fair and beautiful, and when her father and mother died, Mordecai adopted her as his own daughter. Mordecai and Esther come into the story in chapter 2 because during that 180-day big party, the king, Mary with wine it says, demands that his queen, Vashti, come and be shown off. She says no, because why should she have to come and be shown off and put up with a lot of men who had simply been partying too long? But this no costs her. An example must be set. And before you know it, if we don't set an example, every wife will be thinking they too can say no. And as scripture says, there will be no end of contempt and wrath. Or at least that's what the king's advisors tell him. So an example is set. And Vashti is no longer queen. And a new queen must be found. Enter Esther. Esther is just one of the many young women brought to the king's palace, but there's one major difference with Esther. She's Jewish. Mordecai tells Esther not to reveal that she is Jewish, and Esther doesn't. Every day, Mordecai walks around in front of the court to learn how Esther is, to see if she is doing okay, and by the end of chapter 2, we learn that the king loves Esther more than all the other women so that he sets the royal crown on her head and makes her queen, still not knowing that she is Jewish. Now for the villain, because every good story needs a villain, right? Enter Haman. Haman does not like Mordecai, because Mordecai, since he is Jewish, refuses to bow to Haman. So Haman goes to the king and says this, There is a certain people scattered and separated among the peoples in all the provinces of your kingdom. Their laws are different from those of every other people, and they do not keep the king's laws, so that it is not appropriate for the king to tolerate them. If it pleases the king, let a decree be issued for their destruction, and I will pay 10,000 talents of silver into the hands of those who have charge of the king's business, so that they may put it into the king's treasuries. The king said to Haman, The money is given to you, and the people as well, to do with them as it seems good to you. So letters were sent by couriers to all the king's provinces, giving orders to destroy, to kill, and to annihilate all Jews, young and old, women and children, in one day, the 13th day of the 12th month. I assume you're starting to see the conflict of the story, right? The kings listened to Haman planned and destruction of the Jewish people, and yet he has made a Jewish woman his queen. But remember, he doesn't know this. It follows, when Mordecai learned all that had been done, Mordecai tore his clothes and put on sackcloth and ashes and went through the city, wailing with a loud and bitter cry. 
Esther hears about this and how upset Mordecai, Mordecai is, sends someone to ask him what is wrong. Mordecai shares about the decree and asks the messenger to show it to Esther and tell her that she must go to the king and ask him to spare the lives of her people. Esther receives the news and says, All the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces know that if any man or woman goes to the king inside the inner court without being called, there is but one law. All alike are to be put to death. Only if the king holds out the golden scepter to someone may that person live. I myself have not been called to come to the king for 30 days. Not only would Esther go without being called, but Esther will also make the king look foolish by sharing her news. And we already know this king does not like to be made to look foolish by his queen. Mordecai hears her fears and responds, Do not think that in the king's palace you will escape any more than all the other Jews. For if you keep silence at such a time as this, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another quarter, but you and your father's family will perish. Who knows? Perhaps you've come to royal dignity for just such a time as this. Esther listens to these words, accepts that this is what she must do, and she says, I will go to the king, though it is against the law, and if I perish, I perish. Now Esther is a story with a happy ending. Esther takes that next faithful step, and every time she is asked, she takes the next faithful step, and she saves her people. So that's the story of Esther. And this story, um, well, it can feel like a very daunting story to share in a series where I'm asking all of us to reflect on our next fateful step. A story where the next step means Esther finds herself saying, if I perish, I perish. That's partly why I took that line from the story for such a time as this, as my sermon title. Um, Esther's story, Esther's call, Esther's next steps, well, they come in extreme circumstances. She finds herself in a place where her voice, her steps, have the ability to make a life and death difference in such a time as this. Tomorrow... We observe Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Day. We remember his story, his call, his faithful steps, also coming under extreme circumstances. Him being a voice and a vehicle for justice for such a time as this. So yes, the daunting task is there. We find it in the story. Um, but I also chose that line for such a time as this for this reason. Maybe not every step, not everything has to carry the weight of that line for such a time as this. Sometimes, sometimes our next fateful step, our for such a time as this, is simply putting one foot in front of the other. Now don't get me wrong. Um, we need the Esthers and the Dr. Kings. Um, we need to share their stories. I trust that God is moving within those who are indeed being called in the circumstances they are found to be a voice um, today for such a time as this. But this is where I am right now. And 
I'm going to be honest, I was struggling a little bit to find the right words to articulate this, so I hope it's going to come across as it was intended. Um, I hear and I hold all the noise going on around me, um, the division and ugliness within the United Methodist Church itself, leaders within my own state unable to meet at the table to find a solution so that people have safe and clean and adequate access to drinking water, a house of representatives that couldn't even elect a, a speaker. Um, so hearing all that, part of me at times wants to just invite everybody to take a breath, take a step back and ask, does everything have to feel as heavy as that line for such a time as this? Does everything have to be a line in the sand, a hill upon which to die? Or maybe, maybe as a people of faith, maybe sometimes what God is asking is a little more simple. Can our, can my, next faithful step be as simple and as productive as putting one foot in front of the other alongside the persons that make up my little circle my little circle of the world and can that be enough fun fact about the story of esther um, it's the only book in the bible where god is never mentioned but it is a story we continue to share because we have no doubt that it was the deep faith of Esther and Mordecai, their willingness to take that next fateful step, then the next, then the next, that opened them both up to receive the movement of God in their midst, to give them the courage and the words to speak. Now, last Sunday, um, at the end of our service, um, and in our newsletter this past week, um, I've invited all of you to spend some time and some prayer throughout this series over your next faithful step, over our next faithful step as a church. Um, there has been, there is a lot of noise out there. There's been a lot of disruption. There's a lot of fatigue that has happened in our lives over the past few years. But I do think it's time, it's time for all of us um, to step into something new, to take our next steps, to put one foot in front of the other and move forward with God, with one another. But what that step needs to be for you, I can't answer. But I can offer some direction. Think back to those three months of worship, reflecting on what it means to be a disciple. See, I had a plan in mind as we did that. Hold those three words that we focused on, belong, become, bless. Um, that's a good place to start. Belong to the body of Christ, become more like Jesus, bless the world. Is there a place in there where you feel like your next step might need to be? Um, do you need to get more connected to that belong piece? Um, what would that next step look like? Is it more about your spiritual life? You need to spend more intentional time with Jesus to become more like Jesus. Or is God simply pulling at your heartstrings for the least, the last, 
and the lost. Belong, become, bless. Um, no need, I feel, to conquer all three, uh, but I hope you are spending time in prayer and discernment about where and how and in what ways you are being called to take that next faithful step alongside your church family. Um, these cards are once again in your seats. They'll be there for the next few weeks. Um, there is a basket you can put it in, but I hope you take it home and stick it somewhere where you can spend some time in prayer each day, maybe by the coffee pot in the morning, or if you are a nighttime reader, by your lamp on the nightstand, um, wherever it is that you can take a few minutes apart and pray over how you are being invited and led into discipleship. I've already had multiple people ask me, so is this just a pledge card? No, it is not. <laughs> yes, that question is there. This is a discipleship card, though, an invitation into discipleship, and that contains, yes, our giving, our sacrifice, so that the work of the church can continue, but also the giving of our time to God um, and how we do belong, become, and bless as a community of faith. So take that card and hold on to this, um, that that next faithful step can be as simple and productive as putting one foot in front of the other to belong, to become, to bless. Alongside those persons that make up our own little circle of the world. And that is enough. Today we celebrate the story of Esther, a book that celebrates the faithfulness of God, lifts up a God who comes alongside God's people. God works in and through Mordecai and Esther in the midst of all the noise going on around them so that they may indeed stand up against injustice and evil. We have a God who works within our steps to empower and to save. May we take the next faithful step because we trust in the work of God in and through us. Amen. Let us pray. God of presence, we do give thanks for the stories we find in Scripture of faithful men and women who just simply put one foot in front of the other, worked alongside you and alongside their brothers and sisters along the journey. We give thanks for the stories of men and women throughout the history of the church who have also just put one foot in front of the other with their brothers and sisters in Christ to take that next faithful step. In our next steps, may you give us the power to follow Jesus' example to love as he did, to speak as he spoke, to behave as he behaved, so that this world can become more like the world you envisioned. Give us the power to act on behalf of your son, to speak the truth in love, to seek out justice when injustice arises, to discern your will, and to be the living witness of Jesus Christ. 
Give us the power to honor your son's name as we are one family whose successes and achievements reflect that we are sons and daughters of God, brothers and sisters of Jesus, and are the joy of the whole body. Give us the power of your name, that name that is so powerful it can heal the sick, destroy all evil, give freedom to those in chains, and save each one of us. God, we give thanks that not only do you direct and guide our steps, not only do you walk beside us, but you you hear us when we cry out to you, trusting in your healing presence. We now name before you those we carry heavy on our hearts and minds this day, either silently or aloud. Kim Henry. Our youth, as they are on a retreat this weekend. Our compromands, as they prepare for next Sunday. Oh God, who hears our prayers. You gave Esther the courage to speak out and the intelligence she needed to save her people. Help us to believe that you are still present and active in this world and that your grace remains as an everlasting force in our lives. In Jesus Christ we pray and lift the prayer that he taught us saying, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name.